Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. We have two readings today. First from the Gospel of Matthew, verse 1, or no, chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then we have a story from 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bela in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his, his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of God ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, son of, or, pardon me, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thank you, Kate. So, I'm from around here. I grew up less than an hour from right where we're sitting this morning. And I went to college at Ohio State, just down the road. And I worked for four years after college here in town. And after that, Ashley and Noel and I, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And from the beginning of 2015 to the end of 2017, we spent three years in the South. There were ups and downs, particularly Clemson. But overall, I look back on the experience as an overwhelmingly challenging yet beneficial three years away. And if I'm honest with y'all this morning, and yes, I say y'all a lot now because of living in Charlotte. If I'm honest with y'all, uh, 
we were excited to go down there. We were anticipating uh, a change, moving away for the first time. And after about three months of living there, the number one thing that we wanted was to come back. Not to give up or to retreat, but to be back where we felt like we belonged. We longed to go back to Ohio, specifically here in Columbus. We wanted to put our roots down. We wanted to say, this is where we're going to be. And the door was always open to stay in Charlotte, but we always knew that we wanted to end up back here after school. We were waiting, we were longing, often painfully, for the familiarity and comfort of home. And of course, we visited, we came up regularly, uh, looking for jobs and visiting family, but we knew that we didn't live here, even when we were here. When it finally came time to come home, when it finally came time to come here to Scarlet City, uh, we were elated. There was so much joy and excitement filling us with this uh, officialness, officiality. What's the right word? It was official that we were coming back. Uh, the, The moving truck was booked. The apartment was signed for. I had a job. It was all becoming real. And I can remember driving the moving van all by myself up 315 I could see the skyline coming into, the, into view for the very first time, and these emotions were welling up in me, and, and I could hear the song in my head, I'm coming home, I'm coming home, and it felt like we were finally home. And we were eager to move in, eager to meet new friends, uh, be a part of a new community, but at the end of the day, what we wanted most, what we, what we wanted so desperately during that time when we were away was to get to the normalcy and regularity of living life in this city once again. And you know what? A few weeks after the move, that's exactly what happened. Everything started to slowly become normal. We could see the skyline every day if we wanted. I had to show up to work on time. Ashley was pregnant with the twins. I was getting my bearings being here. We were reconnecting with friends and family. It just became normal. And I don't necessarily pop my head off the pillow every morning thinking like, 614, baby, we live in here. But I'm immensely thankful. I'm so thankful to live in Columbus. I think it's the best, and I'm not exaggerating. I really think that this is the best city in the whole world. But I still have to clean snow off my car. I still have to make dinner every night. I still have to be on time to appointments. I have to change diapers. I'm not living in a fantasy world, unfortunately. My name's Jacob Beach, and I'm one of the pastors here at Scarlet City. And this morning, the Sunday after Christmas, I want us to lean into the significance of living life in the regularity. In the Advent season, we're looking forward towards Christmas, the day of expectation and joy fulfilled. Spiritually, it represents the wonder and astonishment that God himself has come to us in a baby's form. He's entered the fray himself to show us the way, to offer us salvation and a life of flourishing. Christmas practically is also uh, most often a day that we're looking forward to, we're anticipating the fulfillment of as well. We prep the food, we wrap the presents, sometimes months in advance. We give and receive, we travel, we eat, we doze off, we forget what time it is, we forget what day it is. How many days is Sunday from now? To, oh, gosh, two days away? Goodness. We, and, and I don't want to sit in this too much, and I also don't want to sound like a Scrooge, but it's over. Christmas is over. It's canceled. 
not canceled, but it's gone. And many of you probably already have, and if not, you will be, but you got to go back to work. You got to go back to school. Things will resume. Your life will resume. And as much as I want to lay on the couch and watch another terrible Netflix Christmas movie, the time is nigh. So this morning, my intention is to encourage all of us here, elementary uh, students included here on the fifth Sunday, uh, joining us in the worship gathering. I want to encourage all of us, what does it mean to really dwell on the idea that God is with us in the normal? Emmanuel, God with us, is the name that is given to Jesus by the angel that appeared to Joseph in this prophecy of his upcoming birth in Matthew 1. And it is that name and and the significance of that name that I want to lean into. In Advent, we anticipate Christ's coming. And so it's only natural the week after Christmas that we should be focusing on what it means that he is here, that he is with us, that he is near. And in a time of year that we look forward to the turning over of the calendar, the newness, the change that's coming, resolutions to eat better, to work out more, to be more attentive, I want to think about normal, regularity. So our focus today will be just that. How can we embrace a normal faith in 2020? So to that end, let's pray and jump in. Father, we ask you to be present with us this morning. Uh, Speak to us, Emmanuel, be near to us, come to us, comfort us. In your name we pray, amen. So our jump off point as we end the names of Jesus, names of, yeah, names of Jesus. Uh, We're we're, we're bringing it to a close this morning with Matthew uh, 1, 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be called Emmanuel. Jesus is the personification of God himself in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And to illustrate what it means for God to be with us, I want to practice one of my favorite techniques for studying God's word, which is letting the Bible interpret itself. That is, using other stories, other passages, teachings in Scripture to give us context and understanding. So to do that, I want to look at what Kate already read for us, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. We pick up this Old Testament story where David is attempting to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the new capital of the United Kingdom of Israel. Now the Ark is this significant religious and political uh, icon, this object in the, in the Old Testament. It was Israel's most potent sign of God's presence with them. It was called by God's very name. And the lid, the top of this box, was a symbolic throne for God himself to dwell on the earth. And the Lord Almighty, invisible and not limited by time and space, he himself gave significance to this ark, this box, in the time of Moses. It housed holy artifacts, including the stone tablets that contained God's moral law. It represented the covenant between God and Israel, his people. 
The ark had spent many years in the hands of enemies and out in, in, in less significant, insignificant places. And if Jerusalem, this new capital of this united kingdom that David's brought together, if, if, if Jerusalem is going to be the heart of this new nation, then it was also going to be the heart of their faith in God Almighty. And that is represented by the ark. It was to dwell in the heart of the nation. And as we get into this story, Uzzah, one of the men who was helping transport the ark on a cart, the oxen are carrying this, this cart, and, and they stumble, and Uzzah reaches out to stabilize the ark, keep it from falling. And in doing so, he's immediately struck dead, touching the ark. He broke one of the most important rules, the most important rule about the ark, do not touch the ark. Otherwise, your face might melt right off. That's from Indiana Jones, if you haven't. Yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Wasn't in there. Now, it represented the holiest uh, of God's presence among the people. It was the manifestation of his, his sheer power, his holiness. It was not to be touched. Do not touch the ark. And this incident kind of ruins the celebration for David. He's both angry and fearful, realizing that his motivations for transporting the ark might be wrong. So he leaves the ark right where it's at, along the parade route at the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And during these months that it's waiting in his house, his whole family, this man, his family, his business, it's experiencing supreme blessing. Everything is coming up millhouse for this family. So David realizes during this time that it's not the ark itself that is dangerous, not God's presence that's dangerous, but his own attitude and approach to its entrance into Jerusalem. So he returns to retrieve the ark, and the celebration and procession begins again, but this time it's different. Instead of animals drawing the cart, Levite priests carry the ark on poles as it's meant to be carried. And after just six steps, they offer a sacrifice with a pro, giving appropriate reverence and honor to this journey. David himself is wearing a linen ephod, which is a, a priestly garment. It's a vest-like thing that indicates that even the king himself is yielding to God. It's a religious and holy submission to God. And when the ark arrives in town, there is a great celebration. There's dancing, there's leaping, there's music. An ark is given, it's given this place of honor, this place of respect inside the tent of meeting. And the ark is now in its new home in Jerusalem. It's established as the worship center of the whole nation and of all of God's people. There's a benefit to this homecoming. There are gifts of bread and, and cakes Everyone benefits, and our passage ends in noting that everyone went back to their homes. So as we engage this story, I want to look at two foundational truths about Emmanuel, God being with us, that we can use to build up our regular, normal faith in 2020. The first is embrace the power of the Lord. In our story, we enter the scene in which God's people and David, their anointed king, are not appropriately recognizing the holiness and wonder of God. 
Uzzah, a man who was literally killed because he did not uh, have appropriate reverence. He did not give reverence to God's symbolic throne. We don't know Uzzah's motivation, but we can only assume that he probably had good intentions. It's probably bad if the ark falls, so let me just kind of help it, keep it from falling here. And in his good intention, he deliberately broke the most important commandment regarding God's holiness. And I think we ourselves, we're, we're guilty of irreverence, well-intentioned irreverence. I'm a dog person. I grew up with dogs, been around them my whole life. We've had multiple dogs in our house growing up. And I was at a Halloween party a few years ago, and I made the mistake of assuming that a friend's large dog, uh, who I'd met many times, would recognize me dressed up in uh, a costume with sunglasses uh, that he would be excited about my hug and a head ruffle. And he bit me. And a dog, a dog named Coco bit me. And sweet little Coco, this chocolate lab, he wasn't little, I guess, but he bit my hand. It was bad. There was blood, okay? I still have a scar. My, my, my finger was all swollen up. And to this day, this experience has made me cautious around dogs. Uh, skittish might be, the, might be the more appropriate word. I'm extremely hesitant to pet a dog. Uh, I'm always kind of uh, in the leaning back position like, hello, hello, how are you? So whether it's uh, 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 an animal, uh, whether it's hot wax dripping on your hand during uh, Christmas Eve service, uh, whether it's uh, being in a car, whether if being in a car makes you think that you're invincible when you're on the road, uh, we can be irreverent of awesome power. And more than the power of fire or animals or machinery, uh, we can also have a casual perception of God's power. So part of embracing a regular faith must be an understanding and an embrace of God's awesome power, his holiness, his wonder, his miraculous magnitude. His power and holiness must be revered. It's serious. It's real. It's appropriate to have a healthy fear of the awesome power of God. And David realized that this wasn't something to be avoided, but something to be appropriately respected and brought close. So as we turn the page on this year, on, on this decade, we have to each ask ourselves, how can I embrace the holiness of God? How can I embrace God's awesome power? Is it something that I need to dwell on in prayer and meditation? Is it something that I should explore more in Scripture? Do I need to reconnect with wonder by looking at the handiwork of, of nature, of science, of, of humanity, God's handiwork? Maybe all of these things. Each of us are different. But if Emmanuel, God with us, is good news to us, then it means that the power of God is on our side. It means that we cannot give our powerful father the runaround. We can't be irreverent of his power. Not because I think he'll strike us dead, but because it's foundational to understanding our God ourselves and our world. We may be well-intentioned in our ignorance, but that doesn't change the reality 
of our unawareness of God's awesome holiness. Now, thankfully, God doesn't only relate to us by his powerful might, but also as loving, as close, which leads us to our other foundational point of a normal faith. Number two, embrace the blessing of the Lord. King David in this story turned away from the Lord because he was fearful of his imminent power. And while that was happening, Obed-Edom's whole family is being blessed by the presence of God, by the ark being in their home. And then finally, when the ark enters into Jerusalem uh, with appropriate reverence and honor, all of the people rejoice and celebrate. All of the people receive a blessing from being part of the celebration. God's presence among us is ultimately a blessing. The love of Christ is the essence of Emmanuel, God with us. His presence of being with us is good for us. It's a gracious gift of life and love and flourishing. Embracing the love of Jesus isn't just about figuring out the theological implications of his coming to the world and ultimately dying for the sins of his people. Embracing the love of Jesus is foundational to a regular life of faith. When I was growing up, one of the greatest Christmas joys was the arrival of my grandma and grandpa on Christmas Eve. Mom and Papap, we called them. And when that car rolled into the driveway, my brother and I knew that blessings were about to rain down. <laughs> Cookies, treats, presents. Yes, Lord. Mm. And of course, all of these things were great. But let me tell you, you have never experienced a hug until you've hugged Grandma Mom. There are memories, few memories that bring me more joy than thinking about being a kid and sitting on Pap's lap, smelling his musk. It came in this orange bottle. It was so strong. And just being cradled like a child in Pap's lap. When Mom and Pap were around, there was peace, there was joy, there was safety, there was security. And perhaps in our culture of on to the next one and bigger and better, it can be easy for us to forget what it means to embrace the love of Jesus, the closeness, the counsel, the centering nature of his presence. His presence in our lives is a blessing. And it's easy to forget that or to even neglect it in our day-to-day lives. We look at so many things for comfort and security, we look for love in so many different places. Embracing a regular faith requires us to dwell and meditate on this reality. God does not sit on his throne waiting for us to screw up, waiting to condemn his own beloved children. Instead, he comes close to us, welcomes us in, taking the very form of a baby, walking this earth as we do now. Emmanuel is intimate. He's affectionate. He's near. And though it's natural for us to fixate on material blessings, the blessing of his presence is undeniable and unmistakable. The sense of belonging, the peace of knowing that someone who loves you is in control of the chaos that surrounds us, the security of knowing that he will never turn his back on us, the affirmation of his ever 
welcoming embrace. The inner purpose of joining his mission of liberation. There are all these things, these things that I don't experience when I turn away from him. When I look for affirmation and acceptance elsewhere. This is why we talk all the time here at the church about flourishing. It's easy to misconstrue the Christian life as a life of adhering to all of the rules, adhere to all the innumerable rules of morality and religious tradition apart from Emmanuel's offer of a life of flourishing. This life of flourishing is one of contentment, one of satisfaction. And the way that we embrace that love is through relationship. No one has ever been close to someone else without talking to them, without communicating, without listening. To embrace the love of the Lord is to know Him through prayer, through worship, through reading His Word, through experiencing Him through the love and care of others, through community. And when we embrace these two things, when we build the foundation of our normal, regular faith on the embrace of God's love and power, His holiness and His nearness, it is then that we begin to freely embrace the normalcy of life and faith. There's so many different aspects to the Christian life. Reading God's Word, spiritual disciplines, pursuing God's presence, questioning and doubting, embracing mystery, wondering about the unknown. And that brings us to our, our conclusion this morning. Embracing a normal faith doesn't mean boring. A normal faith is not joyless. It's not devoid of excitement. But for many who look to Christ in faith, a, a sense of apathy is easy to set in. We can get so used to a worship gathering, showing up to a small group meeting, praying before dinner, reading Bible stories before bed. We can get so used to those things and take God's presence for granted. We, we can begin to make our faith, our faith life merely one of those things that we do sometimes, rather than a lifestyle that is fundamental to our existence and our experience, our day-to-day, our moment-to-moment. God's presence with us is both normal and amazing. It is the miraculous and the ordinary working hand-in-hand. And while it is always readily accessible to us, it is still truly incredible. The reason that I originally chose this passage in 2 Samuel this morning is how struck I was by the final line in the passage, the final line in verse 19. It says, and all the people went back to their homes. To me, this was a perfect picture of the normal faith after the Christmas Season. There is celebration, there is joy at the arrival of the ark into Jerusalem. We spend much of the end of the year similarly looking forward to Christmas and the celebration of God coming to us in Christ in, in, Christ in his birth. And then what happens? What happens after that? We all return to our homes. We see the amazing power of God. We celebrate his great love and blessings that go hand in hand with his presence among us. But After New Year, it's just another year, another week, another day. Christmas will, of course, come again. It's not canceled. 
Easter is on the horizon. Everything rolls on. It continues on. And the question is, will we just wait? Will we wait for the next holiday, the next big break, the next high mountaintop celebration to consider the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Or will we ignore the awesome holiness of God? Will we turn away from the loving embrace of Christ? Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection are good news to us. The kingdom is here right now. God's presence is among us right now. We are going to be okay because the good shepherd is among us right now. His spirit lives in us, Emmanuel, God with us. And I love the natural tradition of of New Year's resolutions. I, I don't think they're stupid at all. But what if instead of making an unrealistic resolution that we resolve ourselves to embracing the love and power of Jesus in the coming year? The end of the celebration in Jerusalem was not the end of God's presence among the people, but it was the beginning. It was a return to a new normal. Now that the ark of God rested in the heart of the nation among them, God with them. God wants us to enjoy the blessing of living into the flourishing that Jesus purchased for us and offers to us now, today, right now, right here. In 2020, our focus as a church body will be pursuing God's presence. And I want to invite you to join with us. It's something that I'm personally excited about because I'm not different than anyone else. We all have a growing list of things that distract us. We have a lot of growing to do. And whether you've been at this faith for decades or just a few weeks, let's invite the Holy Spirit to do His work. Let's take God home with us. Let's not leave Him in the parking lot. Let's not even leave Him between the pages of His Word. Take Jesus home with you. Let's open ourselves to the reality that He is with us always in power and in love. Embrace a normal faith. Embrace a regular faith. Let's do it together. Let's pursue God's presence. Let's experience the closeness of a powerful, loving Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for what you mean to us, what you've done for us. And Lord, in the coming year when we have to go back to work, we have to go back to school, we have elections and things happening all over. Lord, I ask that your presence would be near to us, especially in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storms. You would speak to us, that you would care for us, that your power would be a blessing in our lives, Lord. And that we wouldn't be afraid either to ask for the the material blessings, Lord, but that we would also recognize the absolute blessing that you are to us. Please be with us. We love you. Amen.